0: Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I'm here with Mark Hirschberg, who is the author of The Career... Toolkit, and you can imagine why I loved that name and why I loved his work. Because after a toxic person encounter, maybe it was a toxic person at work, and you need to figure out a new career, maybe it was a toxic. Partner, and you're starting over, or maybe it was a toxic parent who said, Hey, this is what you should do with your life. And then you think, Wait, no, that's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. And so you finally go after the career you finally wanted. Mark is here to help us figure out how to do it. Hey, Mark, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today.
0: Well, I'm excited because we talked about branding, right, before we came on this and talked about that concept of branding. Um, So tell people, we'll, we'll give you at the end a little bit about more what you do and where to find you, but tell people about how you help this career toolkit idea and the idea of branding.
1: Sure, this comes from a class I've been teaching at MIT, referred to as the Career Success Accelerator, for 20 some years. And really, feedback we got at MIT, and it's feedback that's been given to other universities, It's from corporate America saying, there are skills we want to see in our employees, not just recent grads, skills like leadership, communications, negotiation, strong networks, team building, but we can't find these skills. People are not (laughs) trained in them. If you think back to your high school and college, you probably heard about them. We've all heard networking is important, but no one sat down and taught us how to do it. So it's important that we develop these skills. And equally important that we get recognized for having these skills because that's going to make us more attractive to employers and help us move forward in our careers.
0: Okay, I love that you use the word recognized because with my wondrous women, one of the reasons they're getting promotions, raises, new, new careers is that idea of being recognized, okay? So it's not enough that you know you're good at it.
1: And so this is actually one reason it's important that we develop these other skills. Imagine, for example, you are brilliant at what you do. Imagine you're some genius, you always can solve the right problem, but you don't know how to convey that to other people. You don't know how either to take your ideas and put forward and lead the company or the team in a new direction, or you don't know, we'll take a kind of classic public speaking, you stand up to express your idea to others, but you don't know how to present well and you mumble, and you're nervous, and you sound terrible, and so no one wants to listen to you. And you might have the best ideas, but they don't get out there. So by becoming better, it could be something as simple as public speaking, but could also be about leading. It could be about negotiating, because negotiating, it's not just about buying and selling your home or negotiating a job offer. When you're putting forward your idea and you need buy-in from other people, you're negotiating to get their buy-in. They're saying, well, I don't know if I believe in this, well, okay, what are your needs? How do we tie those into what you need? So, all these skills are going to take your core competency and make you so much more effective.
0: I love everything you're saying. Okay, so let's go back and um, name those skills again. So, Mark, what probably what you don't know about me is that I ran a mental health campaign for a high school before I got into this work. And I did, there was a lot of research based on wow, we are smarter than ever before. Our test scores, you know, the SAT or whatever are higher than ever before. But these soft skills of negotiating, um, understanding people are completely missing. And I'd love to know this since you're at MIT, which is not the reason you're on the podcast, but I'm curious of your thoughts on it. Um, Do you think our young people are losing even more of those skills because of their relationship with screen time?
1: To that second question, I don't have hard data, so I can't say for certain, I suspect there is some of it, I've anecdotally heard some of that because we're not speaking as much. Now it could be argued, if you think about the careers you and I have, certainly for me when I started, I wasn't spending as much time on email as I do today. It wasn't as common. And so there's some argument that being better at email or better at texting, A 25-year-old is much better at texting than a 55-year-old generally. Mm -hmm. That's an important skill because texting is how some business gets done. So it might be a case of switching skills, and they might be losing some in-person skills, but gaining some other skills that are important. But to your question about what these skills are, and we can talk about why they're they're not taught if you're curious, the book is broken down into three sections, 10 chapters. Mm -hmm. First section, careers how to create and execute a career plan. So figure out where you want to go and then create a plan to get there. Second, Mm -hmm. skills under working effectively, managing your manager, dealing with corporate politics, understanding corporate culture. These are subtle things that if you don't get them right can really trip you up. If you do get them right, they can open opportunities. Mm -hmm. Interviewing, and here I look at also from the hiring manager's perspective. There's lots of content on as a candidate. Many of us have to hire people as well and the secret is most of us have had no training for how to interview someone else. Second section, leadership and management. Management I break down into people management and process management. And the secret is these skills are not just for people with certain titles, or not just for VPs and executives. These skills help all of us. All of us can be a leader from day one. All of us will use managerial techniques even as an individual contributor. Mm-hmm. The third section, interpersonal dynamics communication negotiation networking and ethics
0: mm-hmm. let's let's hit that last one because I know uh, my typical audience is very interested in that in that phase um, what are some of the costs of not being able to negotiate for yourself
1: here's uh, let's look in the affirmative because this is what you're missing out on imagine you're 30 years old mm-hmm. and you have a new job and they offer you eighty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. If you say, you know, before I take this, I'm going to go and negotiate and I'm going to negotiate and you get them to 81,000. We can mm-hmm. imagine that that's thousand dollars more, not a huge lift. If you sit in that job, the rest of your career, another 35 years, you just made thousand dollars more for 35 years. That one tiny negotiation that took five minutes just got you $35,000. When else have you ever gotten $35,000 for five minutes of work? Yeah. Now, of course, you're not going to stay in that job for 35 years. You're going to have raises and promotions and other jobs, and you're going to negotiate for more than just $1,000. Learning to negotiate will, with your compensation, get you tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars more in your career. But of course, we're now just talking about compensation, which it's more than just the dollar. It could be other things. And of course, you negotiate With clients, with partners, and as we said before, with coworkers. Learning to negotiate makes you more effective on a daily basis. So, learning to negotiate will not only lead to significant financial gains, but more opportunities and better outcomes on a regular basis throughout your career and your life.
0: And visibility too, right? If you have a creative idea that can help lead your company forward and you have to negotiate to get that moving, right?
1: If I have an idea I want to put forth, but I need you to buy into it, right? Because it's not going to go forward unless you sign off on it, but you're not convinced, I'll negotiate with you. Maybe it's, look, I'll help you out on your project, but you have to support mine. Maybe I can incorporate some of your needs or some of your goals into a variant of it, and that gets you behind it. These are negotiation
0: techniques. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's talk branding, um, though I am glad we talked about the negotiating piece. Let's talk branding and how to communicate your strengths in a way that they are visible and accessible to the people who are the decision makers, key decision makers.
1: The first thing you need to do is figure out what your brand is, is to understand where you are, right? The first thing you do, let's say if you're going to go on a diet, you want to figure out your weight. Then you want to figure out your calories, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, you're just going around in the dark. The same mm-hmm. thing is true for our personal brand. We have to start out by saying, who am I? Not who I think I am. Who do you think I am? And then mm-hmm. how, where do I want to go and how do I get there? Now, you can start by using a technique from my friend, Dory Clark, who wrote a great book, Reinventing You. And she says, go to people in your peer group, go to your coworkers or your friends or whatever group you're worried about your brand and ask them what three words would you use to describe me? Take mm-hmm. three adjectives and you collect that list and you look for patterns. You mm-hmm. can also see by people's behavior. So I had a really interesting experience years ago. I was down interviewing for some job down in DC. I'm chatting with people, we're in a large conference room We're talking about corporate culture. A woman came in, she was listening for a few minutes and said, so I'm curious, are you just a business guy or do you have any technical skills? This was a technical company. I said, oh, well, I have a couple degrees from MIT, two of them are computer science. She said, oh, and uh, just shut down the conversation, which wasn't my intent. But I realized no one ever wonders, is this guy technical? Once they hear multiple degrees from MIT, everyone says, oh, smart guy, technical mm-hmm. guy, he can do the math. That brand exists for me just from that degree. But what people never believed I could do was read a P&L, was understand marketing, was understanding corporate culture and all these soft skill issues, because that doesn't go with the MIT brand, doesn't go with the CTO title I have. Mm-hmm. And so indirectly, I recognized from how people engage with me where I was strong and weak. So I recognized I had to, not that my skill set was weak, but that the perception of those skills was weak. So I had to do things to improve my perception or the perception people had of me.
0: If they asked you that question today, are you a technical guy or a business guy? What would you say? No.
1: Both. (laughs) I still have my technical skills, but I would say, so how would I convince you of that? Because I can say, but it's always better to show, not tell. So I'd say, well, I do have a couple degrees from MIT in computer science and physics, and I've been a CTO for most of my career, but I've also been teaching soft skills like communication and team building at MIT for 20 years, and I have a book about it and do a lot of public speaking on the topic. So that burnishes my credentials as an expert in this other area. So I'm not just saying, oh, this is me, trust me, I'm showing through social proof, through actions, that I qualify.
0: I love it. And that was a a much more holistic answer to your question from what I know about you. That's awesome. So uh, you talked about rediscovering you, asking your friends, you know, what three words, my three words are peace, passion, and power. So uh, I, I know the answer to that question. It's on my reminders of my phone that I tell myself all the time. I want to be a peacemaker um, and have peace in my own life. I am passionate about what I do. And then I want to stand in my own power and help others stand in their power. So that is that is what are the pieces of my brand? Um, and, but what if you had three words, or, you know, when you think about your three words and the three brands, what what does that mean for you?
1: Well, remember, of course, it's not what we think we are, it's how other yeah. people do things, right? If pieces one of your things by mentioning it, by going on podcasts or hosting a podcast or doing talks or blogs, we promote that brand with ourselves. For me, mm-hmm. this is an interesting challenge I'm facing right now because most people want to bucket you and say, oh, you're the tech guy, you're the CTO, or you're the HR consultant talking about these skills. And boy, those two really, they don't overlap. That Venn diagram doesn't have a lot of space in the middle there. So it's a challenge I'm facing right now is how do I brand myself in two very different spheres and try to maintain active brands
0: in each? Mm, So, okay, so... What are some tips you have and that you give people to make sure people are getting the right impression of you or the, the impression that you, you want to give off? I guess in your case, it's someone in the middle, <laughs>
1: right? Well, no, I actually I think of myself a little like Janice, the two faced God, right? Not, not with the uh, negative implications, but I have multiple personas and all of us actually have this, how you are with your family, how you are with your high school friends how you are with your coworkers, how you are in some social professional group, you might have a different persona, a different behavior. And so you might engage differently. This could be the clothing you wear, the mm-hmm. activities you engage with. With your high school friends, yeah, you might go out for drinks and you're not really worried about counting your drinks if you get a little buzz. You've known these people for 20, 30 years. On the other hand, you would not do that in your professional group it's also language that you use. When I'm speaking with technical people, I'm going to choose language, sentence structure, specific words that relate to their world and their mental models. When I'm speaking to people in HR, speaking about these other issues, I'm going to use different phrases. I might use the word we more often because that type of group tends to think more holistically, more about people and engagement with people. And so solo things like this are going to connect you into those arenas and promote your brand as I belong to this group.
0: So what would you say to the person who maybe didn't feel as socially confident and they were afraid to speak well of themselves or promote these things in their speech? Uh, What advice would you give to that?
1: I can give this advice as someone who comes from that position with the way my childhood was, there was not a lot of self-confidence, had a lot of social anxiety, a lot of social challenges. So I can relate to what you're going through, whoever, whoever is out there listening to this. You have to begin by recognizing you have something of value in yourself. Here's something that took me a long time to understand. I used to go to conferences and think, okay, I'd love to do a talk, but I don't know, everything I could speak about, it's kind of obvious. You know, I know I'm good at this, but doesn't everyone know that? And I go to a conference, I hear these talks and think, that's even more obvious than what I would have said. Why are these people up on stage and not me? And eventually I recognize what we have, it's always going to be novel or useful to someone. All of us know something. All of us have some skill that's helpful. I'll give you an example from my ballroom days. So I was a competitive ballroom dancer in my 20s, and one of the secrets in ballroom, there are the top ballroom dancers, the so top professionals, and they train top amateurs like myself and and the cohort I was with. But then you have the kind of social teachers, the ones teaching wedding couples, the ones teaching the class where the girl dragged her boyfriend in because she wants to take classes many of those instructors they're not experts who have been around for 20 years some of them are some of them they just started dancing six months ago even before i became a u.s champion i was still better than most of these people but for the couple off the street the couple saying we want to learn to dance someone with six months of experience they're good enough to teach that couple they're Mm -hmm. already ahead they have something valuable and useful to give so all of us Have something, maybe you can't teach the experts in your field, but you can teach the beginners. You can teach maybe a step beyond the beginners. So recognize that you have some knowledge or experience or something that is valuable to someone else. And as you gain experience doing this, that sphere of what you can offer gets bigger and bigger
0: and isn't it true too that the things that we are naturally good at and gifted we kind of think well that's just common sense everybody knows how to you know I'm I do consider myself a you know great at the art of conversation and so it's like well everyone knows that you're supposed to make eye contact and lean in and be interested in what they're saying and you know pick out something from what get mirror back with some of the things that they're saying. So they know you're listening. And it's like, oh, everyone doesn't know that. (laughs) You know, they walk into a one-on-one class at MIT and everyone's like, ah, this person, you know? Uh, So, but that's important to know because the things that are easy for us are not necessarily easy for everyone, right?
1: A friend of mine was getting paid very well as a consultant, doing some analysis, due diligence on some companies. And he eventually said, look, I feel bad taking your money. You're paying me a lot of money. And this is just so obvious. I, I feel bad charging you this much. And the company said to him, the reason we're paying you this much is because it is obvious to you. It's not mm-hmm. obvious to most other people. And mm-hmm. so that's what we have to recommend. Or what we have to remember is that that is our value. So whatever's yeah. obvious to you, think about what's not obvious to you. And then think about putting yourself in the other person's shoes, right? And flipping it and you'll realize the value you have to offer.
0: I love that. And so recognizing the value you have to offer and then not being afraid to speak that value. And everything you have said, you, you never came across as braggy. You always came across as very confident. And this is who I am. And I think before we started this process, we talked about like, I consider myself a fabulous communicator. And other people have told me I'm a fabulous communicator, both written and, and verbally. And there's nothing braggy about that. There's nothing braggy when you're saying, yeah, this is what I've done. This is what I've accomplished. This is who I am. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of worth in getting past that point of like, oh, if I say that people think I'm a terrible person or braggy or whatever else. And then I think what you're saying is people will see your value. They will see you as valuable.
1: It's also when, why, and how you're saying it. If you walk up to someone at a party and say, "Hi, I'm <laughs> awesome," and here's why, okay, uh-huh. that's braggy. But if someone's saying, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm struggling with my exercise routine," you say, "Oh, well, I've actually been a trained physical therapist or a trained personal trainer in my younger days. Let me offer you some advice if you'd like." You're Mm -hmm. saying, I'm an expert, I have something to share. You're not doing it to make yourself feel better, you're doing it to help the other person. And so when we genuinely try to help others, it's okay to bring out your credentials. Not to beat Mm -hmm. them over the head with it, but to say, this is why you should listen to me. And if you provide it again in a show, don't tell way, don't just say, I am an expert. Say, oh, well, I was a personal trainer throughout college, so I've trained scores of people happy to sit down with you, give you some advice, you're doing it to help the other person.
0: And knowing what questions to ask can have a lot of value too. I I had a, um, you know, if the doctor says, does it hurt here? And you're like, yes, how did you know that? There's instant credibility and value with that. Um, you know, if I, I had a client recently, she got promoted as a, a manager of a very elite physical training thing and she said where does most where do most of our clients come from and you know what 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 is our ideal client and the manager's like oh that's great I'm glad you asked that question it instantly gave her credibility and value and added value and she wasn't bragging she knew she was enough of an expert to know a question to ask um have you seen that Mm prove useful as well
1: there's the famous story, and I don't remember the names, the famous story of uh, two men who are running to be prime minister of Britain. Mm-hmm. And some woman had dinner with each of them on subsequent nights. And newspaper asked, you know, who who was better, right? Who did you prefer having dinner with? And the woman said, the, the first man, I had dinner with him and I thought he was the most brilliant, interesting person in the world. They had dinner with the second man, he made me feel like I was the most brilliant, interesting person in the world. And it was the second man who won. So if you're sitting down to help someone, think about what therapists do. A therapist doesn't say, oh, well, let me tell you From we've been talking for an hour, here's your three problems. So write this down and fix it. They want you to realize it. They want you to get there because that's where it's gonna sink in more. So if you're an expert saying, okay, do this, this, this. Now, if it's your doctor saying, take these pills. Okay, fine. It's, it's a prescriptive uh, engagement. But when you're working with someone, if you can help lead them there, which because of your knowledge and experience, you know how to ask those questions, as you said, you know how to guide them the right way. And they discover on their own, a couple things will happen. First, they'll have a much more positive experience, which they associate with you, because that experience was when they were speaking with you and standing with you. Second, it's going to be a deeper experience for them because this person figured it out on by herself or himself. And third, you're going to be recognized as helping to guide them, but not in a, I am telling you what to do because I am the expert. Listen to me. It's the, wow, you really helped me, right? Help not told, which is a much better experience for the recipient.
0: Agree completely. Mark, tell people where they can find more about you
1: you can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can learn more about my background, more about the book, the free app on Android and iPhone that goes along with the book and helps give some of the great advice. There's a whole page of free resources as well as other books I recommend. All of this is available at thecareertoolkitbook.com.
0: So last question, and the most fun one. Uh, If you got to broadcast to the entire world for one minute and tell the whole world one thing that you wish people knew, what, what would you tell them?
1: We spend so much time learning raw skills, English, math, history, and these are all valuable. But if we spent a little time investing in these other skills, our networks, our leadership, our communications, conflict resolution. If we build these skills, the ROI on that time would be enormous. We would have better personal relationships, better professional success, and we'd be adding a huge amount of financial benefit and overall happiness to the world. So let's all invest some time into building these additional skills.
0: Agree completely. I think I said that like three or four times during your podcast. (laughs) That's a good sign that we are aligned. Mark, check him out at the Career Toolkit. And, Mark, thank you for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. finding love and success after a toxic relationship, then consider this your personal invitation for me. I'm there live, there's tons of support, and most importantly, tons of more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.